Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. My special guest tonight is truly a man for all seasons. He's done it all. His name is James, Mr. Speaker Sears, and he's a highly decorated retired Army officer, a spoken word artist, an event host, a motivational speaker, a track coach, has served as an adjunct professor and a professional mentor with the Steve Harvey Summer Camp. He is also the author of two books, The Heart of the Military Leader and Love Versus Hate. He has produced five spoken word CDs, and he co-hosts on Block Talk Radio. And <laughs> he has done so much. <laughs> he is also the host of Verbal Vibrations Podcast. I mean, <laughs> I can keep going. This man is incredible. Welcome, James, Mr. Speaker Sears, to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Dr. Ingram. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. As you can tell, man, you you are the man. You are a man for all seasons. <laughs> okay. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a positive thing, man. That's a positive thing. All right. Well, let's begin this poetic journey. I'd like you to tell me, what is poetry? Poetry, to me, is an expression of life uh, through through either spoken word or written word, the expression of your heart, uh, what's going in your mind. So you can do that in multiple forms, but it, it, it comes out poetry-wise in some type of writing that may be displayed in other things, but it's an expression of uh, your heart and how you feel. Give me more detail in terms of the heart component. How poetry fits in there. That's what I want to know. When it comes from the heart. Well, well, I would just say to you that generally how your heart feels is is how you're going to (laughs) feel. I mean, your brain can run some things. Um, Your brain is going to put those things into words. But if your heart is sad, then Mm -hmm. your words are going to come out in a sad format. Um, But that's where your heart starts. Um, to me, it starts with the heart. Okay. Okay. Is poetry important? Um, it's, it's vitally essential. But okay. most people don't realize it because it's, such, it's, it's woven into the fabric so much so that it's almost like oxygen. You don't realize that before you have a commercial, a movie, a play, before you have just about 80 to 90% of the things, somebody wrote something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that writing can stem back to spoken word. Yes. Oxygen. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. That was beautifully yeah. stated, so thank you. Thank you. That uplifted my spirits. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride, my friend. Please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. So I'm in um, I'm a retired military officer, so I'm in Iraq. And my mind is going 100 miles an hour. <clears throat> and uh, some of my soldiers tell me, go to the spoken word thing. And it actually allowed me to relax and calm down. And then I realized the power of writing. Uh, it was an expression. It allowed you to release things. It allowed you to relax. It allowed you to pour therapeutically whatever was going on in your head or your heart onto the paper, and the paper was very uh, accommodating, very forgiving, very assuming, just took on whatever you gave it, didn't repeat it, and it was nurturing. So I found comfort in writing initially uh, when I was in combat. So there were opportunities for spoken word events in Iraq? I mean, that's wow. Tell me more about that. That's incredible. uh, There there are... There are levels to uh, – it's like uh, when we first went into Iraq, no. We hadn't established anything. But once we had been there for quite some time, two two years or so, three years going in, um, it started down in Kuwait. They would have a little bit of entertainment. We even had movies over there uh, because once we got settled into the fobs or into our locations, it just became regular work. And – Thus, you, you you have day and night shift, and when you were off, there may or may not be some entertainment. So every two weeks, there was a spoken word uh, event. This was, you know, it was put in place to help the people over there that were working. Entertainment. Wow. Man, that's, that sounds incredible. That really does. Over in Iraq and Kuwait. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's and Afghanistan. That really is. Afghanistan. And Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good, bit. So, right. Man, I'm a, well, I like that. You know, <laughs> ask you this question. All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Well, so Amiri Baraka, uh, Maya Angelou, uh, Sonia Sanchez, uh, Hollis Pruitt, who is a um, a deceased poet here, was my mentor. Um, I could go on, and I and I and I, I even hate to start because I'm gonna leave somebody out, and I'll be like later on. But speaking the truth is is, is at the core of my heart, and poets who are real about what they're saying. And they they cut that edge and it's real raw. Uh, I'm 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 there with them. Okay. And they're gonna give it to you right. They're gonna give it to you real. What do you write about? What are some of the predominant themes? Well, I've been writing so long that I would tell you I write about everything. But predominantly, I write about. I'm what you call a didactic poet. So I write things to help you learn something while I'm writing. I teach 
through my spoken word. Um, but I write about military experience. I write about love. I write about educational things. I'm really big into history. Uh, and I got a whole lineup of poems to give you, so you won't have that question in a little while. <laughs> all right, all right. The format tonight, this is my usual format, will be that I ask a question. Okay. Then I'll ask you to share up one of your works. Then I'll ask another question. We'll go back and forth, this yin and yang, freaking track. All right? So. I'm ready. Mr. Speaker, <laughs> please share a poem. Judge less and love more. Listening to a poem is like taking a journey mentally, and you have the right to ask, hey, Mr. Speaker, where are you actually taking me? I want to take you to a place where Palestinians and Israelis live in peace. It is a place where good news is spread while gossip and bad news are deceased. Let's go to a place where slower traffic actually stays to the right. And this is a place where people walk by faith and not by sight. This is a place where women know that they are worth more than a million grams. And it is a place where there is no road rage and there are no traffic jams. It is a place where smiles and greetings are what we all expect. And it is a place where men honor women and treat them with the utmost respect. Judge less when it comes to that corner who may be lost or having a hard time. Love more those individuals who are trying to feed their families by committing crimes. Love more that individual who's giving you poor customer service. Today could be her first day on the job, but her mistakes could be because she's just a little bit nervous. If you are a stay-at-home mother, you homeschool, or maybe you are a housewife, please don't stand in judgment of others who have to work to support their life. Just less someone's ignorance and pray his or her knowledge keeps expanding. Love more through many of life's misunderstandings. Instead of trying to get even, get revenge, or settle a score, stop. Take a deep breath, then judge less, and find a way to love more. Mr. Speaker. All right, Mr. Speaker. Please share another. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I like this. Earth. <laughs> I am an earth poet with one foot in the water spitting fire through the air. Beware. See, baby, I poured any and everywhere. Called a didactic poet by superstar cast is free. Me, because I spit facts constantly and continuously, grounded, rounded, compounded in actuality. The reality is I teach in an attempt to breach gaps and reach my peace. You look confused, so... Allow me to explain, yo. Consider me volcano. Fueling facts, lava blows. Cleaning pipes, draino. Twisting words, tornado. I've been lava flows. I'm not an avatar, though. Called Captain Saberho because I have stacks, you know. <laughs> Lines that flow. Drop massive blows, especially while playing dominoes. I'm not finished, bro. Still turning nouns into ammo. Follow me and increase your dough. I heard cats. Leadership phenomenal, me an angel of war, spiritual and physical. I will never be poor. Have you seen my four chateaus? <laughs> my car rides like a limo. Some listen, let's grow. Check my credentials. Sorry, my time is low. Hit me, I might host the show. But for now, I'm Mr. Speaker, and I've got to go. 
<laughs> All right. Before All right. before we continue, please tell the listeners and me, you call yourself Mr. Speaker. Why? Talk to me. So um, it's one of those things where I study history, and I've just seen the people get denigrated a lot. And um, just just out of respect, uh, I'm not going to name myself something that's going to allow that to continue. So plus, when you've been in the military a long time, respect is some is one of those things that is just is just bred into you. And so you're looking for a moniker, and this just appeared to fit better than anything else I could do. I come up. All with. right, very nice. Very nice. Mr. Speaker, what are you attempting to communicate with your art? My heart. I'm trying to I'm your trying art. to educate the people. Yeah, I'm trying to communicate. Uh, my heart is what I'm trying to communicate. And then the goal is to educate them through my heart. Uh, I want to teach them something. I want to inspire them to go out and learn. I want to let them know that this, this can be used to do more great things in our community, whether that's help the people who are who are feeling a certain kind of way. If you're feeling down and downtrodden, turn to writing, turn to speaking. Use your speaking to inspire people to be better and do better. You know, there are those out there who believe that poetry is dying. What are your thoughts? Is it dying? Nah, it's not dying. I mean, I mean, it may not be, it may not be doing all the things that it can do, but it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it's almost impossible to die. As long as we're speaking and writing and communicating, there's going to be poetry. There's going to be spoken yeah. word. I like that. Please share a poem. This one of my favorite poems. A lot of stuff I do is uh, spiritual in nature, uh, and this was Warrior Angel. Call me Michael, Archangel, God's muscle, messenger, might. Heaven's bouncer, sin pouncer, evil trouncer, to God alone I answer, because he created me. And believe this, I am good at my job, as I am his strong arm. I block evil and harm. From the living and the dead, let it be said, never worry, I alone know where Moses' bones are buried. Once best buddies bros to that slippery singer Satan for what it is worth. I personally cast him and his team to the earth, along with greed, envy, and other evils, while angels cheered and the Savior watched, knowing that he would have to step in as a buffer to sin. Some fear Satan, while he fears me, brought him to his knees, flung him across the seas. It was me that evicted Adam and Eve from the garden, and I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, I am God's wrath. Do the math, baby. I am undefeated at this fighting task. The angel of war I am. I cause evil individuals to say, hot damn, here he comes again always jumps in to protect his friends, repeatedly wins, never loses to sin. Truth be told, I am the reason there is hell on earth. Why sin dwells in the souls of men, 
why humans study the art of war instead of the heart of peace. I imprison those demons on your streets, causing the terror to grow with the wheat. Do not dread. Trust every word God said. Do the research, and you will see that I am the most powerful. I am the most powerful force on heaven or earth. This is not a game. I dominate all domains. My name, the ultimate war cry, fighting for his glory and fame. I am because he is. You are because we are. I am known and feared by the Christian, Jew, and those that worship Buddha and Islam. I am the inspiration for the warrior psalm. Me. An instrument of war, God's flaming sword, the original ultimate fighter, leader of the heavenly host, commander, king of battle, never rattle. Follow me if you want to live. I am the strong tower, the great wall, indestructible force, unstoppable juggernaut, protector, no angel higher, gladiator, God's communicator. Call me love as I conquer all. Stand with me as I stand with him because he will never fall in peace. Right. Tell me more about the purpose of that So Tell me more about the purpose of that form. You know, you're, 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 that's a good question. So um, I've written a lot. I mean, two books. I'm working on my third book now. Uh, and and I'm, my mother raised me to be very, very uh, – she raised me in the church, and I've learned yes. to be more spiritual uh, than just – you know, being uh, more, I'm more spiritual than anything. So when it's not very much said about the Archangel Michael, but when you put things together and do some outside research, you realize he's, he's been muscle. He's been the strong arm and he gets very little uh, acknowledgement. And so I kind of liken myself in the spirit of him, having been a soldier, having understood what soldiers do, and he's the muscle behind God's word. He makes it happen. All right. Now, this is a very broad question. What is spirituality, and how important is it for a person to live life fully? Well, you get one opportunity to live fully, so I, in my, as far as I know. I mean, if you reincarnated, right. they're not telling you if they did come back. But I would say... Spirituality to me <clears throat> transcends, it's like a, your interpretation of what God's word is in your heart, and then you live it out spiritual. That's the spirituality piece, you living it out in a way that's beneficial to the world, in a way that kind of mimics the Savior or follows in the line of what God would have you to do, reading it and being more like a Philistine or a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you know, is one of those people who off with your head, they want to live, make you go to the letter of the law in the Bible versus living with your heart and being more compassionate and living with a lot more love and understanding because all have fallen short. Very nice. Several months ago I had a program planned, The Role of Spirituality in Black Women's Poetry. I found the poets, oh, wow. the whole nine yards. It, it was going to be great. My showpiece for the year. Technical problems. <laughs> oh, wow. I couldn't hear my guest, and they couldn't hear me. <laughs> so um, 
just listening to you okay. share what you shared makes me want to go back, you know, and try that again. Because spirituality does play a major role for some people in poetry. Yeah. You know. It yeah, I would say you. try it on Zoom. And I hate to say it now on blog talk, idea. but I would say, yeah, because because I like you know you read I was a, I was a blog talk host uh, yes. for yes. a co-host for several years, but then when the pandemic hit, it just like the Zoom became better. Streamyard is pretty yes. good. Zoom became really good. Uh, prior to them, it was all blog talk, and there's another mm-hmm. one out there. I forget uh, forget the name of it. We were doing a bunch of them, but Zoom mm-hmm. just took over. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've uh, I've hosted 400 programs, <laughs> so uh, I may need it. to find another uh, <laughs> another format. Okay, that's we can talk about that later. All right. <laughs> Please share another poem. <laughs> All right. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's learn some stuff. Yes. Black history. Mm-hmm. Black history. So you really. Want to you want to you want some black history to see past these racial mysteries? Okay, okay. Listen to me, so you can understand what is clear if you study. First, there was darkness, and then came the light. Initially, there were black men, and then came the white. Many times, ignorance precedes insight. African American history actually got its start in Africa long ago. See, baby, we came through slavery, not from slavery, so now let's grow. See, in 700 A.D., when the Africans came to Europe, they brought astronomy, chemistry, physics, and geography. They brought art, mathematics, palaces, and literacy, literally. At this time, Europeans were 99% illiterate as they could not read. So the Africans brought paper, books, philosophy, and universities. They brought agriculture technologies such as apricots, figs, ginger, and dates. Introduced Europeans to foods such as oranges, lemons, peaches, sugarcane, and pomegranates to improve what they ate. Cotton, silk, and rice were also introduced to these European peeps. Africans then raised the sidewalk and then paved those dirty European streets. Africans introduced public baths, street lights, and compasses to give Europe some direction and to get them on the right page. These African contributions to the world brought Europe into the Renaissance and out of the Dark Age. So miss me with black history that starts after we were slaves. Ancient black history educated the people, cleaned them up, Brought Europe to his feet and out of those caves in peace. <laughs> We're going to take a, a quick break, really, really quick. But I'd like you to answer this question when we return. Okay. When you write poetry, when you write poetry, who leads, you or the poem? Who drives, you or the poem? <laughs> and we'll be right back. All right. Good question.
We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with James, Mr. Speaker Sears. I asked you a question prior to that extremely quick break. When you write poetry, <laughs> who leads? You or the poem? Who drives it? I want to know. Talk to me. Well, Dr. Ingram, I would tell you, yes, sir. It, it's, it ha- has happened both ways. Generally, <laughs> mostly, I am led by the poem. Uh, but what I would tell you, just for instance, if you said, hey, I'm hosting a show and I want to do a show on astrology and flowers, can you write me something? Well, probably I'm going to leave that because I wasn't inspired to write it any other way. But so I've written so much that sometimes when I get an assignment, I'm leading that, I would say. But if something falls mm-hmm. on my heart, then the poem is leading me. I'm just a vessel. Mm-hmm. Okay. The vessel. You know, it sounds like your lived experience of this world has been wide. You've seen things that other people have not seen. Yes. And I wonder, I'm just asking, this is a general question. Does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? Yes, because I feel like I would tell you I watched this I watched this movie long ago and it was very painful for me and the painful piece of it it was called 12 years of slave and yes. the painful part of it the painful part of that movie was the fact that he couldn't write I couldn't even sit in my seat good doc it was it was hurting mm-hmm. me so bad I we've been so blessed to be able to have things that we take for granted if I could not write It would be tough on me. It would be real tough on me. I couldn't express myself. Well, what do you think makes poets different from other people? I'm keen to know this. What do you think makes us different, if anything? Well, I don't know. We're slightly different in the sense that we are just expressing ourselves a different way. Um. I would say to you, singers, a lot of times singers may or may not be poets, but if they are, they're writing and they're singing about their hearts and they're closer to the meaning of that song. They own the song from the conception of the song, from the inception of the song. Uh, So what I would say to you is poets are closer to, they express themselves in a way that is just written uh, singers express themselves a certain way. Orators do it a different way. So people find a way to express themselves. Poets have a tendency, like songwriters, to see and connect it to words into a way to, to deliver it for other people. Yes. The whole point of this yes. is sometimes to write it so other people can understand the experiences that you saw or to deliver it in a way that it entertains other people. Mm-hmm. All right. Please share another poem. Okay. So this poem, this poem was birthed uh, through some of what I, a lot of stuff I saw and me trying to educate the people. The fifth commandment. We're given a commandment for what it is worth. Honor thy father and thy mother so thy days may be long upon the earth. Days long upon the earth 
Well, that actually means a long life. Dishonoring your parents will shorten your days and nights. God's word has transcended time, and sometimes it is misunderstood. But what is interesting is (laughs) the fifth commandment does not include the word good. See, you were not told to honor thy good father and thy good mother. Get it straight. Your responsibility is to honor them because that is your spiritual mandate, to hold in high respect, rank, position, or one with great privilege as it seems. Because I know someone is out there wondering, what does honor actually mean? Papa may have been a rolling stone. Heck, Mama may not have created a happy home. You could have grown up like one of the Huxtables, or we could be labeling your family as completely dysfunctional. Your father could have several kids outside of his home, or your mother could be out in the streets getting stoned. I am telling you this now. I am pouring my heart out tonight. Dishonoring your parents may hurt them, but it will shorten your life. Don't stand in judgment of your parents regarding the things they do. Judging them could bring even more heartache back to you. Look, it doesn't matter if you have the worst parents in the world. See, God blessed them with you back when you were a young baby boy or girl. Not forgiving, that's like taking poison and hoping to kill someone else. You must forgive, move forward, and let it go before you destroy yourself. You must honor your parents. That is more than a request. It is a commandment that you will have to answer to God at his bequest. Look, the bottom line is you cannot control the actions of others. Do your part and always honor and your mother. All right. You know, you speak with conviction. <laughs> is, there a, yeah. is, there, is there a relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Ah, ooh, wait, that's a deep question. I would say yes, but my speaking voice has more of a relationship with my command voice from the military. Mm, and all right, all right. And I would just say to you that in order you, – you have to convince adults to follow you in the combat. You better speak with convince, conviction. No one yes. wants to follow a person who's not sure about what they want to do or what they're doing, especially if their life is on the line. So you, you pick up a habit of speaking with conviction and believing and putting your heart behind what you're saying because it makes it believable to the people who are listening. Okay. Okay. So, you know, accessibility, accessibility is always a question. Whether you need to work hard mentally to solve, if that's the word of poem. So when you write, do you think you have to figure out the meaning of a poem, or should it just be felt? Let me think about that. That is a really tough sure? question because it go it goes both ways it goes both ways, Doc. Okay. You, mm-hmm. We have I because have, I run with poets I run around with a lot of poets and you can write a yes. poem and the people could be lost. So you have to go back to what is your objective. If you are trying to mm-hmm. reach the people, then figure that out. You got to do something else. You got to do another course of action. You got to go a different route. You can't. Like, I mean, you, you're a doctor. You could write some stuff. Probably, If you pull some parts out of your dissertation 
it could confuse the masses, but you luckily were probably doing your dissertation, dissertation to people who had doctors and understood the field you were in. So you yes. can be smarter than some people and write a poem that they can't get, but what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, you want to reach the people. Find, make sure if, you, if you're not reaching the people, then you're writing something for your personal edification. Wow. You know, you probably know better better than many. There's so much going on in this world. There's the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the (laughs) indifferent. The indifferent. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? We're the voice crying in the wilderness. I mean, mm-hmm. we're the we're speaking truth to power. We are entertaining the people uh, through through slams and and other things. We are, you know, I want I, I want to believe that we are inspiring people to reach in. We're telling stories. We're helping people see things they may not be able to see in other ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, through spoken word, mm-hmm. through plays, through movies, through song, because all of those are inspired by poets. All of those are inspired yes. by writers. And so we are mm-hmm. educating the people. Mm-hmm. Educating the people. Is- well, let me ask this question about that. I, I, I really want to know, as a poet, knowing what what people know about the world, should we should we be required to write about it? Why can't we just and I ask this all the time to people? Why can't we just write about rocks and trees and flowers? Why does it need to be potentially about world issues, crime, all these things? Why are we required to write about that stuff? I just I just want to write about a rock or a fish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I want to write about. I want to write about that whole stuff. Well, it it goes back to your earlier question, Doc. Am I leading the poem or is the poem leading me? And and generally, generally the poem is leading you, uh, and thus you're writing about what's on your heart and what's crying out. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we get what we get. That's why we get the we get the diversity that we get. So you you know that I'm a part of the Greybeards. And yes, I know. <laughs> uh, all all four of us are different. All four of us, we mm-hmm. we don't need two or three of us to be the same. We need mm-hmm. different voices. We need to come at you from a different perspective and and lay things on you. We may write some similar on some similar topics, but you will always get it delivered in a different way. And that's because yeah. in order to reach a person, somebody wants to read your book. Somebody wants to hear you mm-hmm. speak. Somebody wants to watch you speak because they want to see your mannerisms. So there are so many different ways to get at somebody and to get your point across, and that's what we're all about. And oh, by Tell the way, I'm the youngest of Greybeards. You're the youngest? Go ahead. <laughs> right. I'm the youngest of the Greybeards. I just want to put that on the all table. Right. <laughs> I want to ask who the oldest is. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask. <laughs> All right. Please, Mr. Speaker, 
Tell me about a poem you were proud of writing but afraid to share for fear of misinterpretation. Hmm. So um, when you are a retired veteran, 30 years with disability and uh, full retirement, there's very few things yes. that put fear in my heart. But I would tell okay. you what I don't want to do is mislead the people. I don't want to tell you something and it's not be true. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to offend people. Um, but I do – What the poem that I'm – that I have not written that because it'll offend people is this this we have a culture that will counsel you in a heartbeat if you say anything negative about certain religious sectors or the LGBTQ community they feel like yes. they can't be talked about and I don't believe that to be true everybody okay. is subject to be scrutinized if you say mm-hmm. and or do something that is out of line. That's just the bottom line, and and it's not it's not one of those things. It's not out of hate. It's mm-hmm. out of education. It's out of it's out of whatever it may be. But if I can talk about uh, kids not honoring their parents, you can talk about anything. I mean, so yes. nobody should be uh, exempt for being discussed in a poem. But you have these cancer, mm-hmm. these, they want to counsel you automatically if you say something about them that they don't like. They can try to counsel Mr. Speaker all they want. It ain't happening. Well, have you ever <laughs> written a poem <laughs> that either frightened or humbled you? Um, a lot of times when I write about the gravity of certain things in the military, Yes. That I did. I took for granted while I was not necessarily took for granted. I just, I had to do them. I'm mm-hmm. humbled now that I had to do certain things, life changing and altering things as a young kid. Uh, I'm humbled by that. I'm humbled by the ones who have to do it today. Um, anytime you're in a position to be a leader, and I think. You're called to leadership every time you decide you want to have a family, anytime you decide you want to have a family. And Mm -hmm. I just think you better humble yourself to learning what leadership is all about. Uh, Okay. Because that's that's not an easy – it's just like that I want to get married. I mean, that's not easy. Those things, they sound easy. That's a lot of work. And and most Mm -hmm. of the work, most of the problems fall on the husband – because he is struggling with leadership. Yes. And I'm just telling you, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into a fight with all these guys out there, but I can yeah. trace back the majority of the family problems. I mean, of course we know there's problems on both sides, but if you were a better leader, then you would know how to handle those problems in your house. And that goes for all me right. too. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing about writing poetry, as you said earlier, and I'm paraphrasing now, that it's important from a therapeutic perspective, it allows you to get that stuff out of your system, that gunk out of your system, whether you share it with someone or not. So with that in mind, and maybe I'm answering my own question, is writing a poem 
building a wall or letting your guard down? I think it's both, Doc. And I hate to keep saying stuff like it's both, but I would show you that when you say if it's building a wall, then metaphorically Mm -hmm. I can say that what I'm doing is I'm putting down the, I'm 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 putting those things out of my heart. That may be putting the wall down, but I'm also building up my heart, which is where the wall I'm making my heart stronger with good things and I'm getting those bad things out. So it depends on what you consider the wall, but I definitely mm-hmm. see it as a releasing agent. I definitely see it as a cleansing. I definitely see it helping other people and helping them with the obstacles in their lives. But right. it's not that it, it right. builds a wall. It could it could help protect the heart. That's the wall I'm talking about. Okay. Because okay. You, you got the you got whatever that bad stuff was out. Mm-hmm. Wow. And other people Please. can identify with your struggle and your strength because once you get up there and you're delivering it in front of an audience, somebody mm-hmm. else is looking at you like, I'm dealing with the same thing. True. I can make it. True. So do you write for yourself or for others? You initially write for yourself. You you, okay. you, you got to understand you initially write for yourself because then there's nobody else in that room. Unless you're doing freestyle and you're just spitting some nonsense or some craziness, you're writing for yourself, and then you're delivering it so that you can help other people. You're perfecting it uh, in your laboratory. You're rehearsing it if you want to memorize, if you just want to read. But the moment you step out of your house or out of your comfort zone and start delivering it on stage, it becomes for other people as well as you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's initially about sure. you. All right, then. Okay. Please share a poem. <clears throat> this is entitled Diminished. On behalf of the President of the United States, we appreciate you allowing your loved one to die for freedom. I apologize that they were under resourced, partially trained, and poorly equipped. I present this flag shaped like a heart to symbolize where we broke your family. You get a gold star as well, stories to tell in order to compel others to fight for freedom. Sometimes, many times, oftentimes, when I tell a family their loved one is not coming home, I lie a little. Every Mm -hmm. time I lose someone in combat, I die a little. Dear Mr. Smith, your wife gave her life for freedom, but what is heard is blah blah, blah, and they are never coming home. Dear Mrs. Johnson, I regret to inform you that I lost your husband in war. Dear Mrs. Jones, today your son was lost in battle. I don't want to discourage anyone from service, but when I am reminded of the cost of freedom, I cry a little. If someone does not return from a mission, I wonder why a lot. What did I do wrong? Did I say the right things? What else could I have done? Look at my living human remains. War has made me a slave to the grave, struggling to find reasons to live, 
I have nothing else to give. From PTSD, I cannot hide. Hmm. Just now, another veteran has died. Weapon of choice, suicide. This veteran is survived by pain, grief, hopelessness, and depression. This is sad. Makes me want to gag. This family is broken, and all I have to give them back is this damn flag. Service personnel dodge bullets in war and peace. War is an unleashed beast that loves to feast. It is clear that war makes the mind brittle. PTSD makes you committal a one-way ticket to the mental hospital because every time I lose someone, I die a little. Can you even see the human remains of me? On behalf of the President of the United States, United States military, and a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. In peace. Wow. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was, you know, empathy. As you listen to someone share their story, their lived experience, and you have an opportunity to, to, to move or live, to, to visit their world through the power of poetry. Yes. It yeah. makes you feel things, because to be quite honest, that's not a population that I think about. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a story that I know very little about. I'm glad. So that means I'm doing my – I mean, when if, if you were thinking about this, then I would not be doing my job well. All right. All right. I mean, you living in peace, <laughs> not thinking about this, that means I'm doing good or better. We're going to take a break. I'll be right back. All right. You're back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. <laughs> I'm here with James, Mr. Speaker <laughs> Sears. You've written two books, The Heart yes, of a Military Leader and Love Versus Hate. Now, are they both poetry books or one is focused on, I'm saying, the military and the other is focused on poetry? They're both poetry books. Um, oh, wow. Both, uh, yeah. Wow. The heart of a military leader. I would have never imagined that. Honestly, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Right. Wow. That's my initial inspiration is what got me into writing was being this in is... combat. So I had to pay homage back that way first. You know, life, love, war, and the human experience are expansive topics. 
So how do you decide yeah. which specific aspects to focus on in your poetry? Because that you cover a lot you of write, ground. You write about them all, Doc. <laughs> one at a time. Mm. Just knock them down one at a time. So how did you structure the heart of a military person? So I, 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 that I had already been... <laughs> I had been writing for a while, and uh, mm-hmm. what I did when I got ready to put that into a book, I just I looked at all the spoken word poems I had and put them in uh, in chapters, uh, okay. sort of military, the biblical, things that were two poets about poetry and poems, um, history. So it, it became real quick and real easy to separate them into their own categories. History went to one paragraph, I mean, one uh, chapter. Military went to another chapter, and thus and thus. So I just put them in chapters and then uh, gave it to the people. So if I came to you and said, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to purchase this book, what advice would you give mm-hmm. me about the book? Um, Before I read it. Mm-hmm. I would tell you it's it's um read it slowly cuz you're going to learn some stuff. You come across mm-hmm. some things you don't you don't believe or or you think I'm incorrect on. I would say make a note of that. Uh research it, talk to me, let's go look it up, let me show you. Uh open your heart as you read because a lot of times if you go into some things, we have a we have a large population in America that's got closed hearts. They can't hear mm-hmm. each other talk. Um, mm-hmm. So you got to go into conversations with an open heart and listen. You may not agree, uh, but the truth doesn't need you to agree with it. The truth is the truth, whether you agree with it or not. Facts are facts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting on. We're getting to a point where we don't believe facts. I don't even understand that. We know we've gone through mm-hmm. a whole. We've gone through a lot of deception in our in the history of the world. And we've got to see through that. We got to see through what men have done um, for whatever they needed, for whatever reason, for power, for, for just because of ignorance. We got to see through it and get on our A game. What did you learn about yourself, Mr. Speaker, riding the heart of a military leader? What did you learn about yourself? I learned that I was focused on the wrong thing. I was. I need to be focused more on leadership. I learned that uh, the heart is 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 great. Is is great. I mean, it's the one thing that you can actually feel pain from. You know, as one internal organ, you can feel pain uh, if it's broken. But I also learned mm-hmm. that leadership is what we're lacking. Uh, the first poem I led with. What what America needs more it needs to judge less and love more it needs more heart. Uh, stop judging mm-hmm. people for what they're doing. You don't understand. You're not in those shoes. You you may not always know why somebody's doing something, but we stand on the other side of the street and judge them versus help them. Uh, we're terrible mm-hmm. followers. I mean, and I would just say it permeates. We're terrible followers because if the leader in front of us is not good. We we tear them down. First thing, we're going to tear them down. We're not going to build them up. We're not always there to help them. Coach, teach, so, mentor, 
It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, Wait, I'm sorry. In a nutshell, you learned what about you? I learned that I needed to have better leadership when I was following a bad leader or a leader I thought was not on it because I didn't have all the information that leader had and I needed to, you know, to make sure I was doing my part to help them and giving them my perspective. I learned that I was projecting sometimes outwardly their flaws and overlooking my flaws. Wow. Wow. And so that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Take care of yourself first. Get that plank out of your mm-hmm. own eye. Fix your issues. But we were we just we are notorious because nobody teaches you how to be a good follower. We teach leadership. Mm-hmm. And so we got to we got to figure out. That. It's true. <laughs> hey, nobody teaches that <laughs> how to follow somebody. <laughs> you don't hear. <laughs> you don't see books like that. Maybe they're out there, but I've never looked them up. <laughs> it's always how to lead somebody, never how to follow them. Wow, it's deep. <laughs> deep. Learn how to follow. All right, All right. <laughs> that's very self-aware. So let's kind of slide over to your other book, and I'm going to ask you the same questions, maybe in a little different order. I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But love versus hate. Tell me about it in terms of the way you structured it. It was the same concept. Uh, par- I mean, uh, chapters, um, diff- mm-hmm. a, a couple different chapters, some new things I would gotten into, a little more sensual, some more sensuality in this one. Uh, but it was the struggle. Love versus hate has always been a struggle. Uh, right. You can you can see it in the early, early everyday life. You can move from love to hate. It's like this thin line. And it's just, I hate you right now, and I love you, and you know you. Only the people that are closest to you that can really, really hurt you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nobody that's you don't know this person. They can say some things you may not like. They could try to, and and of course, mm-hmm. in social media, people try to hurt you. But really, the hurt, the broken heart, comes from somebody that's close to you. All right. How but long did love it take versus you to hate? Which is just another side of me. I'm sorry. Well, how long, did, how long did it take you to write Love Versus Hate? About a year, about a year and a half. It's a combination of uh, once I stopped putting the poems together for the Heart of a Military Leader, I was continued, I continued to write. And right. the poems I was writing then and then the, the theme of Love Versus Hate, I wrote to that, and I was able to put all the poems I had been writing and the new poems into this book and then produce it. Uh, I am in the in the process of putting together another book with complicated passions called Let's Grow. Mm-hmm. And so Don't this because I, I just I it's one of those things, Doc, I can't turn it off. Uh, poems come only thing keeping me from writing more poems is I have to go to work sometimes. And I do have a day <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if you were to give me advice about reading this book, before reading it, we're standing in front of a, a Barnes and Nobles. Well, I guess we, we don't have any of those anymore, <laughs> no brick and mortar stores. But in the old <laughs> days, we're standing in front of a Barnes and Nobles, and I asked you, Mr. Speaker, what advice would you give me before I read Love versus Hate? Um, 
I would say for more so than some other books, you may be able to see yourself in something in this book. Uh, whether you are dealing with somebody that's some love that's turned bitter or some love that is still prospering in your life, you can see yourself in here. It's, it's a little bit more of a rejuvenation. One of the poems in here that I like is uh, marriage expiration. Like if your license, if your marriage license could expire, you'd probably be a better husband <laughs> or a better spouse. You know, so you get into some things. I, I delve into some things and make a little bit of laughter, a little bit of sensuality, uh, but it's I'm always hitting you in the heart and trying to teach you somehow. So what did you learn about yourself writing love versus hate? Who are you as a result of that book? So, so Doc, I am, I am an, an educator by nature in the sense of my writing. What I learned about me writing this book, Especially what I learned about so I was I both of these books were nurtured in an area called we call it the seven five seven. It's the Hampton Newport News area of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um and it is a it is a remarkably talented, remarkable it's a remarkable area of talented poets. It stemmed from Baltimore through D C through Richmond to the seven five seven area. That I don't know what it is, but you got some amazing, talented poets in this area. And you find you want to be around these poets all the time, but you can't spit in every genre because you may or may not write in every genre. And so one of the Mm -hmm. genres I had the most struggles with was the erotic poetry. I just didn't write it. It wasn't one of the things that I wanted to do. Uh, but when you hang out with talented people, you learn your way through that. And thus, All right. um, I can, the 757 area enabled, it enabled me to walk in some areas that I would not have normally walked in. It broadened me as a writer. It stretched me mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. Very nice. You know, we've reached the time in the program, which I view as being my personal favorite. It's called a mini poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share three or four of your poems back to back, no interruptions from me. Mr. Speaker, you're on the stage. Let's go. Believe it. There are facts. Believe it. There are facts and information in books, but you won't read it. There's oxygen in water, but you cannot breathe it. There's different things in all 50 states, but this one, you won't leave it. Even when someone finally tells you the truth, you don't believe it. There are precautions posted on the roads, so you better heed that you could be headed for destruction, but you can't perceive it. You may not believe in God, but what will you do when you first see him? Success in heaven are out there for you, but without hard work, you will never achieve them. You want a relationship, but you find it hard to conceive it. You have so much old baggage, and you just cleave to it. There is education for you in college, but you act like you don't need it. Here are some facts. So open your your mind and your heart so you can see it. Fact. 
Noah took seven each of the clean animals on the ark, not just two each. Read it again. Time of Jesus' death, crucifixions were carried out on trees or long wooden poles, not crosses. Do some research. Fact. When Jesus lived, there were no letter J's in any language, anywhere. Fact. The letter J was invented in the 17th century, 1,600 years after his death. Deduction. When Jesus walked this earth, he was not called Jesus. Do some research and then come see me. Fact. King James had the Bible rewritten to spread the Christian religion to Europeans after the Jews and Africans had somewhat rejected Christianity. If you don't believe what I've told you, open your mind and explore it. Do your own research, baby. You cannot ignore it. Set your goals so you can achieve him. Books have information, so you might want to read them. God created you, put you here so that you can receive this. I've done my job. Facts, knowledge, information, you know real spit. I have just delivered it. Who was the first? Who was the first to be taken? Who was the first to be tricked? Who was the first to be deceived? Who was the first to be placed upon that ship? Who was the first to die while afloat? Who was the first to be thrown over the boat? Who was the first to make it to this new land? Who was the first to be sold on an auction stand? Who was the first to be raped? Who was the first to be called that word that rhymes with bigger? Who was the first to be beaten? Who was the first to be killed by the taskmaster's trigger? Who was the first to suffer cast? What country taught Hitler all about discrimination? Who was the first to deal with family separation? Who was the first to die from a false allegation? Who was the first to be free, got the right to vote, and the right to purchase land? Who was the first to be educated, truly appreciated, and treated like 100% of a man? Who was the first to suffer mutilization? Who was the first to be denied graduation? I do not know the answers to the questions I pose to you, but I wonder how our forefathers would feel if they knew your voting rights went unused. Sometimes it's hard for people to face this, but the freest country in the world just might be the most racist. I am depression. I will kill every last one of you, break you down, turn smiles to frowns, just keep you blue. Given the chance, my goal is to devastate you. Rich or sad, happy or mad, I don't care what you want to do. I live to destroy everything about you. My desire is to leave you bogged down in constant rain, afraid and confused. Like COVID-19, I spread from lips to ears with the plan to silently come for you, crushing hopes, destroying dreams, and giving you a self-hate type mood. Respecting nothing about you, rich or poor, I don't care what you've been through. Your success, status, and goals I would devour like Kansas City barbecue. My targets are first responders, veterans, Republicans, Democrats, Christians, atheists, and Jews. Deep inside of me, I hate the thought of every single one of you, Muslims, gay, the weak, young, all colors. See, I aim to suffocate you, 
destroy moods and make you not even want to eat food. Don't believe me? That is because you're tuned in to the wrong news. Check my stats. Been killing millions annually for years. Don't be confused. Suicide is my weapon of choice, and isolation is my primary method. See, I am your own rage turned against you. If a mother struggles with after childbirth, you call me postpartum. When minds are split or confused, then you call me bipolar. As 20-plus veterans die daily, you change my name to post-traumatic stress. Don't really care what you call me, just as long as my body count continues to rise. While you call, you come while you fall, you come to my call. Leave a letter, say your goodbyes, and like the Pied Piper baby, follow me to your demise because the day you let depression tell you what to do, well, that is the night poetry failed you. My last one. I am love. Since my mother's big, beautiful belly deflated, I was carved, cut, and created in his image. Love lined and laced literally since I leaped from my line of scrimmage. Blessed with boldness, bouncing bravely through blockades and barricades. See, baby, no bears in caves, but literally lavishing love in all languages to the lost and found. Tone down your verbal attack. Don't sit back. Use your fleet, fortunate feet to retreat and take love, not hate, to your poetic streets. Or take love from adoration to admiration. As you add more to the nation, I admire your patience. Parking in here with your unhardened heart, no barking. Speak with the light of love, lavish loosely, not darken. Love, love blinds, love binds and locks, like long luscious dreadlocks, like how buildings are made of rocks or how feet are hugged by socks. Love is chocolate you can rock with fills pockets and sockets. Love is air and spring, fair and refreshing. Love is chill, spins wheels, gives thrills, breaks bills, and hated kills. Love occupies your heart and melts your mind. Love is truth, protection, honor, tough, deliberate and kind. Come, see mine. And then cape, my agape. See, baby, no way you can stop me. See, I am love, sourced from above. Someone haters hella sick of. The most powerful force you can think of. The one thing the world needs more of. Don't blink, love. Just fall on my sink, love. No need for a mask of gloves. See, hate stinks, love. From the heaven to the sea. Open your eyes as you are on the brink of me. I am Mr. Speaker, and baby, I am love. In peace. Oh, you're good, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> you're good, man. <laughs> he took Thanks me on God. a roller coaster, a roller coaster of emotions, and with that third poem, <laughs> I didn't know if I needed to call the police <laughs> or the hospital. I didn't know, but <laughs> but I felt listening to it, especially the third one, that it's a prime yeah. example of why poetry is so important because it allows you to get those thoughts outside of your head. Yes, it does. Get all that stuff outside of your head. Did it give, then you can look at what you've written and say, oh, I don't need to do this. Maybe I only need to write about it. This is how I'm going to express myself so that I don't do anything that's more detrimental to me or somebody else. Or somebody I don't else. have to share yep. it with anybody. I don't have to share it. 
I don't have to share. I don't need to share it. But I need to find a, a, a format that I can employ to at least get it out of my head. Wow. Right. We both know this. I think we all know this. That writing can be an emotionally draining and stressful pursuit. All right? Are there any tips you have for aspiring writers in terms of how to handle that stress and the emotional draining part of the whole experience of writing poetry? Um, I would tell you, I would tell you, you're not doing something right. <clears throat> Initially, if it's if you feel that way, it's not you're not doing something right. You're forcing the process. See, writing is natural. Writing is talking. Um, that's why there's no such thing as writer's block. And I know we can get into right. a whole lot of different wow. discussions and arguments. There's no such thing as writer's block. Right. You know, you're not blocked from writing. You may not want to write about that topic. You may not have done your research. But at the end of the day, if you do, if you want to, if you want to write about something, research it. If you want to write about something that you're not aware of, go there, research, do listen to some other stuff, and then see what inspires you to write. If you can't think of anything to write, I woke up this morning and I did what? Because writing is a natural thing. It is not foreign to you. It's not, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to learn a foreign language or do something that you're not capable of doing. I'm telling you to do something that's like saying hello. Mm-hmm. Speak to the paper. Wow. Where come out? can listeners, well, where can listeners purchase the heart of a military leader and love versus hate? What can you buy them? They're both on they're both on Amazon. <clears throat> they're both on Amazon. You gotta they've been on there for a while. You gotta get the names right. James Mr. Speaker series or put the names in there and then you'll get them on Amazon. And if you can't get them there, you can always get them from me. All right. You know, Mr. Speaker, this is a call in show. And you've got so many people waiting. <laughs> I don't know whether they're waiting well, to talk to you or they're on here to listen. <laughs> but we're going to Bring some of the people on, and they can ask you a question, if that's okay. You ready? Okay. I'm All ready. Right. <laughs> All right. Area code 615-883. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Good evening. I'm back, Bill. All right. Hello. My name is Darnay Hawkins, and Jimmy is like my uncle, so just wanted to come on and show support and just enjoyed everything. I mean, I know Jimmy, but I've learned so much tonight just from hearing him speak. So just want to say thank you for sharing and just enlightening my world tonight. So just thank you, and I love you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's all right. That's all right. I like that. All right. Area code 615. I think that was Eric. 822 883 you're on the air hello erico 615 883 you're on the air all right <laughs> let's go to the next person they're still stunned by everything you shared, so they can't even speak. All right, Harry sure. Code 615-822, you're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Good evening. Hello. 
Would you like to share something? <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> so stunned, man. Let's try this one. Eric code seven five seven seven three eight. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Hello. 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 This yes. is Tony. Mr. Speaker. Oh, oh my, goodness. my goodness. I'm so hey, glad Dr. you invited me. I'm so glad I was, I got to witness, uh, witness you. I, I miss you. You know, Mr. Speaker and I used to hit some stages, New York. Oh I mean, just all over the place. And just to <laughs> reconnect in this way has just been, I need to go right. I've, I've been inspired all the way through. I love the way you, the order that you place everything and just the inspiration. There's no writer's block. What? And I'm always complaining about that. I got to write. I got to write. I got to write. Thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. Oh, man. All right. All right. All right. Hey, right. Thank you, guys. Have, 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 have her own. She's phenomenal. All right. She's phenomenal, I'm telling you. Have a wonderful evening. That's a phenomenal poet. All right. Have a All good right. night. Thank All right. you. I need, to, I need to invite her to be on the show. We'll have to talk about that. All right. All right. Absolutely. I'm always looking for talent. I'm always looking for talent. Got a couple more. Area code 908-296. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Good evening. Hello. Good Area evening, code 908. Mr. Speaker. How are yes. you? All right. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. This is Senator Bravo. How are you, Mr. Speaker? Oh, I, I know exactly who you are. I was about to tell him. Here's another one knows where all the bodies are buried. This is the host <laughs> of the blog talk. I hosted with her blog talk for a number of years. Uh, so she right. knows what you're going through, Doc, as far as uh, <laughs> the technical problems. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk because <laughs> It's about to kill me. <laughs> Great show, Mr. Speaker. Great show. Um, Thank you. Um, it, it's it's phenomenal, awesome. I don't know, um, uh, Dr. Ingram, Mr. Speaker was the permanent host for Spoken Inc., and uh, he hosted all the shows for us. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many shows he hosted at the New York Rican Poets Cafe. <laughs> wow. So, wow. Mr. Speaker, it's it's good to hear from you. Very nice. Hopefully Thank we can get back to you. Yes. yes. That is nice. Yes. That is nice. And That's another person, Mr. Speaker, I want to put on my list to invite to be a guest on my show. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. I'll be in touch. Good all right. Night, Thank Speaker. you. I'll, I'll continue to listen. All right. All right. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we've got a couple more here. Area code 718-569. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Okay. They're still in shock. <laughs> Area code 704. Two five eight. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Hello. Good evening. Hello. 
They're in shock too. <laughs> Man, you got more people in <laughs> shock. <laughs> okay. Area code four six nine six two eight. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Good evening. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Area code nine one zero five eight four. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Hello. Hello there. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Hello. This is this is Dr. Michelle Sturgis, and I just want to say, Mr. Speaker, that I am so absolutely proud of you, and your words are inspirational. Your writing is just wonderful. It's deep, heartfelt. Um, one quote that I did like that you said was that. It really hit home, and I really just enjoyed just what you had to say. But you said that poetry is woven into the failure, to, to the fabric like oxygen. And I love that. That was a good so, one. That was a good one. So, so you, yes, it absolutely was, sir. So you keep up the great work, and I just enjoy your poetry. Can't wait to purchase your next book. Oh, thank you very much for the support, Dr. Sturgis. You're That's welcome. Not, not like Have a good that. night. All right. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, Mr. Speaker, you need to write that one down, that, that, that statement, and put that on a T-shirt or something because that was good. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. <laughs> oh, I'm going to steal All right. it. <laughs> Area code 770-331. You're on the air with Mr. Speaker. Hello. Well, hello there. I am hello. so happy that I am the last one. This is uh, Cookie Strong calling in to say hello to my brother, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> hello yeah. there. I um I enjoyed the poetry, but I actually enjoyed your your responses to his questions. And just thank you so much for being so genuine and so open and for being the special person you are to me and my family, and you know exactly mm. why. So we love you, yes, we support you, and I need to get a book or two. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's all right. I like I that. You. I like that. It's beautiful. Thank you. All right. All right. We're almost at the close, Mr. Speaker, but I had a couple more questions before we go. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Yes, absolutely. Me. I mean, I, I didn't. Me. So, 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 Doc, I am a, uh-huh. a former jock. I couldn't spell poetry. I, this was not something I walked in because it just looked like something I wanted to do. It was a necessity for me to survive. And... um then when I got into it, the teacher in me came out, the educator, teacher. Uh, my heart was able to shine through it, so we took together. But it wasn't something, because the word poetry, um, it, it just has a different ripple of connotation. That's why I like to say spoken word sometimes, where people can understand this is not the same as not Shakespeare. This is not, right. uh, it's not like that. What you might get from mm-hmm. England or somewhere else, we have we have our own flavor to it, our own education process, our own love, our own hearts. So it was a totally mm-hmm. different process, 
and me being a jock, me being a soldier, <laughs> I yeah. wasn't even thinking about any of this stuff. But it came to me, mm-hmm. um, me, I was poured into it. I fell into it, however you want to say it, but I'm never leaving it. So it was meant for me. We, we were meant to be together. What surprises you most about being a poet? What surprises me the most is the amazing, the amazing uh, way that a person can tell you a simple story. Uh, how the, you can't judge a, a book by its cover or the package, and you can go to an open mic or you can go listen to somebody deliver a piece that can be so moving that you almost felt like you watched the movie. Felt like you were a part of it. Uh, it can be so dynamic. It is amazing to me how some of these young writers, and even you know, and I say young because I have a sense of expectation from some of the older writers. I, I, they've got more, but even these young kids are coming out with some fantastic things. So it just lets me know that you can be inspired to write at any age and deliver mm-hmm. a masterpiece. Wow. Wow. What's next for you, Mr. Speaker? Where do you go from here creatively? I have some major things. I have some really, really major things on the table right now. I am um, going to before the military leadership tomorrow as we speak to talk about how I'm going to bring spoken word into the armed forces uh, as a way to help curb the suicide rate among veterans. Um, so those things, and it's real lofty. I'm going to need a whole lot of people on the team, uh, but mm-hmm. we're losing so many veterans a day. Veterans, military, combat veterans, uh, don't always identify with therapy and therapists yes. because they don't so think that the therapist uh, can identify with them and what they've been through in combat. But I can mm-hmm. as a soldier. Mm-hmm. Having been a combat veteran, so I'm trying to identify with the with the veteran that's at risk. Show them that writing can be therapeutic as a way to re, to relieve and release stress initially, and then mm-hmm. have the uh, doctors come in and start talking to them. Once I can get them to open up through my spoken word, through me showing them and teaching them how to write, and not worrying about grammar, not worrying about punctuation, just punctuation, just write for your life, right for freedom, right to release, and then I'll do some spoken word along with some other talented poets, and then mm-hmm. the doctors and the therapists can come in and start talking to the at-risk individuals once I can get them to start opening up. So it's a lofty goal, but that's where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I'd like to be a part of that from this vantage point that I'd like to create a program to talk about poetry with veterans, that's something I'd love to work on you with that. I really would. And therapy or counseling. Let's talk about Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm trying to do it. It's, it's, I'm trying to get it off. Yeah, off the I can tell. Rolling, so. It's all right. Yes, that's all right. Well, when you get it rolling, I'm always here. I view you. I appreciate. As being a gift from God to the poetic universe. That's how I view you. 
Based on That's what amazing. you said tonight, <laughs> your character, your willingness to be open and, you know, to, to tell the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. Wow. You're an incredible person. I appreciate that. Incredible person. That's a long and would you yeah, favor yeah. us? Would you favor us with one more before we go? I'm sure the listeners are like just one more. One more to send us home. Got anything? <laughs> I, Doc, I got a lot of stuff. I'm like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to invite you back for part right. two. But <laughs> just one more, man. Just to uh... <laughs> we're almost home. <laughs> Want to hear one more before we get out the car? Okay. <laughs> Oh, let me see here. So, let's go. The heart of a military leader. Have you ever stood strong when fear was all around? I mean, did you actually stand tall? while others fell to the ground. Have you ever done what common sense said not to do, even when others ran and said, come on, come on, come on, man, don't be a fool. Has fear ever gripped you so tightly that you had to concentrate just to breathe? I'm talking about the kind of fear that brings even the strongest men down to their knees. Have you ever had to remain calm and lead others to a safe place? while fear was clouding your judgment and causing your heart to race? Have you ever been so engulfed by fear that 48 hours passed without you missing a single beat? Heck, almost went three days on just two hours of sleep. Have you ever thought this could actually be the last breath I take? Because there was death all around you with no room for error, absolutely no room for a leadership mistake. Have you ever been so frozen by fear but you just didn't know what to do? I have. But I had to go on because 237 soldiers were looking at me to lead them through. See, fear in the face of a leader, well, it could destroy the will of many people. While fear that goes unfaced could become deadly and extremely lethal. Okay. Well, have you ever had to give an order for someone to do something that even you were afraid to do yourself? I mean, a command so crazy, you wouldn't do it for all the world's wealth? Have you ever had to send someone out on a mission that you knew they might not complete. That would be one of those nights where this leader didn't get any sleep. Have you ever had to give CPR to someone who worked for you? Well, I worked on Special Sierra for about an hour, but he didn't pull through. Have you ever had to carry the body of someone who saved your life? The whole time I was thinking, what in the world am I going to tell his wife? Have you ever had to tell someone that her loved one was no longer alive? Trust me. You can actually see her heart breaking through the tears flowing from her eyes. Have you ever had to stand over a person who was dead due to an order you gave? Look, don't stand too close to the funeral because you might want to jump into his grave. Have you ever had to stand before a grieving family? Yes, it is completely sad. See, that soldier gave his life for this country, and all I had to give him back was his U.S. flag. See, I'm a leader of soldiers because that is what I was called to do. And just for the record, I'm not telling you all this to prove anything to you because, see, most people don't understand a true combat soldier, warrior, leader. Well, here's some insight for you late-night poetry listeners and readers. How did you feel when the World Trade Center fell, the Pentagon got hit, and those planes jacked? This leader, this soldier was devastated. Thousands dead on my watch. 
and it was my job to prevent those attacks. You really don't understand the sacrifices we made for the armed forces. Heck, I missed birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, and been through a couple of divorces. We learned loyalty, honor, respect for the U.S., for government, and for freedom. But, see, we actually fight for our fellow soldiers. You understand if you ever took the time to meet them. So, yes, yes, I face fear for you, you, and you, and even those that act like complete jerks. Because, baby, failure is simply not an option for me when I go to work. See, I'm descended from kings, forced into slavery, chose to be a soldier. So here's my quote. I fought for this country before I even had the right to vote. I'm the Buffalo soldier who fought the Indians and settled the West. Absent from those history books, it's my blood, sweat, and hard work to help build the U.S. I bravely choice up San Juan Hill and was later discredited in the press because racism wouldn't let this world view me as the nation's best. I'm the courageous, hardworking sailor who signed up at the local rally to learn that I could only save my country from deep in the ship's galleys. I'm the black flyer who defied all odds to fly, fight, and win. Well, you might have heard them call me one of those red-tailed Tuskegee airmen. I fought in all the U.S. conflicts to include two world wars to stop global oppression. But it wasn't until the Korean War that we overcame segregation. The media and the public want you to call me a hero, but you treated my Vietnam brothers, those soldiers, like complete zeros. Those Vietnam warriors followed orders, fought with honor, and had no regrets. But when they came home, they came home to your insults, no cheers, just total disrespect. Well, this soldier has faced this experience through multiple wars in the Middle East. And I salute those dealing with fear right now, baby, so we can do this poetry here in peace. <laughs> I salute you, sir. <laughs> I think there may be <laughs> one more person who wants to speak with you. Oh. One more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's going to call in now. All right. Hold on. Sorry, one of them gray beards. <laughs> it could be. It could be a gray beard. I don't know. The person texts me. Well, I mean, you, <laughs> you got the people tonight. <laughs> I'm going to have to invite you back every week <laughs> to revitalize my show. <laughs> <laughs> and hope he calls in. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hold on, everybody. All right, Doc. All right, Doc. Here we go. One second. <laughs> Five six two eight seven nine, you're on the air. Hello? Hello. Oh, can sir. you hear me? Six five nine, you're on the air. Okay, can you hear me now? Y- yes. Uh, just a little bit louder. Okay, let's see here. Okay, can you hear me? Uh, I'm coming in clear. I can hear him. Okay. This, is, this is a gray beard. I told you it's a gray beard trying to come on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I got to comment about that that youngest gray beard and how it came out to be. 
the oldest gray beard. So the oldest gray beard is calling to check on the youngest gray beard. <laughs> Do you give him a stamp of approval? Oh, I, I, absolutely, because, you know, I mean, he, he called us out, and he said, uh, I, I want to be a gray beard, and my first thing was like, but you don't have a beard, and then he grew one, so he became a gray beard, and that's how he started him. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> So I just want to say it was a great show. I heard some of my favorite poems. Those when you did those last three or four in a row, they were dope. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm gonna play the replay again just so I could hear those. And of course, it's always a teachable uh, moment. So I, I enjoyed the show. I would tell you that. All right, very nice. I appreciate Thank you. you thank you very much. All right, thank you, people. All right. We come right, to thank the you. end. All right, sir. We've come to the end. And as I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, Mr. Speaker. Good night, sir. Thank you. All right. Yes. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at QLPOR.com